Bob and the Tuna Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his fortnightly appearance on the program. It's his fortnightly appearance. Former Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review and author of Big Data Baseball. He currently serves as a prolific contributor to Fangraphs.com. It's Travis Sochik. Travis Sochik is the guest on this edition of the program. And as he does every two weeks, Travis Sochik joins us from an idyllic spot around his home. In this case, however, the location of that home has changed. Sochik recently Moved from beautiful Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania, to beautiful Bay Village, Ohio, on the outskirts of his hometown of Cleveland. Sachik's westward migration, however, has rendered him no less curious, no less fascinated by innovation, no less intent on exploring the wild frontiers of the game. Some of those frontiers he examines and explores in what's to follow, rising velocities and the limits of the human body. Of course, fastball velocity has increased by roughly three miles per hour over the last decade and shows no signs of relenting. What are the implications of that for the game? Travis Sochik's radical wild card proposal, specifically as it relates to the wild card play-in game, the proposal he adopts from the Korean baseball organization, uh, and finally Sochik's even more radical thoughts on interleague play. He detests it. Uh, is mostly what one learns. All of that in what's to follow with a very pleasant Travis Sochik. Before we get to that conversation, it is my uh, obligation and my privilege to announce that Fangraphs memberships exist. For a reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can support the work that appears in the electronic pages of Fangraphs. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, readers can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows them to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, facilitating faster loading speeds and also liberating one the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs ad-free membership available, as I say, at Fangraphs.com. Okay, and with that advertisement now having been concluded, let us now let us now let us now move on to a conversation with Travis Sochik. What is it? Does Fangraphs study? Who does it feature? That same prolific contributor, and when does it begin? Right now. as a uh, alumnus of the Ohio State University. Oh, the Ohio State University. The Ohio State. The Ohio State University. I've heard nice things about Columbus. That's all I have to say about the, that. Yeah, it's a, uh, I enjoyed my time there. You did? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of student was Travis Sochik? Attentive? It really, it depended on the class. It had to... I'm a good student if my attention is captured by the material but i if i'm not interested in the subject matter i tend to lose interest and focus <laughs> hey let me let me let me slightly reorient that that question or your point right i would say now uh, l- let me see which of these two two instances you prefer right i can offer you a class um, wherein the subject material interests you, but it is poorly taught. Okay. Alternatively, I can give you a situation where the subject matter does not particularly um, appeal to you. However, it is an engaging professor. I, I mean, that, that makes a considerable uh, difference. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of an unfair question, right? I was kind yes. of leading you in one direction, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that can change things but i still think i still think the subject matter is most important 
But then the second most important factor is the messenger. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's probably true, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> if, you, if you were to, um, and of course there are some institutions in this country where you can do something like this, if you were to uh, plan your own course, uh, independent study, what would that course look like? Interdisciplinary, whatever. I mean, it, it would have to be something like launch angle, right? And uh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, is that right? Uh, or maybe creating the best format for a wild card game. You like doing that? Or uh, here's what else you like doing: is re what is the word? Re it's when we go to thirty-two teams. There's expansion, and then there is re. Oh yeah, I love expansion, realignment, realignment. Yes. This guy yes. loves realignment. I've been accused in the comments for that story that I was just chasing clicks and was perhaps on deadline, and that's why I chose that topic. Right. Well, you know what? Which you, I felt I, is somewhat unfair. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't need to be to be compelled by deadline to write a mediocre post, Travis Sajak. <laughs> you will you will chase clicks. Deadline had nothing to do with that. Yeah, you that's will right. chase clicks regardless. <laughs> <laughs> we do need clicks. You need, you need clicks to stay alive. Hopefully, though, uh, you can ride that fine line, uh, or, you know, between um, <clears throat> between engaging and responsible. Right. Right. I mean, if we were just in search of clicks, we would we be would writing just, different posts. We would just put porn on our website. Okay. So. Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're not in just in search of clicks. You know, in fact, uh, to your point, uh, with regard to <laughs> to publishing pornographic images and or pornographic moving images, uh, in fact, at one point that that be, that was an issue at Fangraphs. Allow me to allow me to take you back. Is <laughs> <laughs> this a not graphs era? It was a not graphs post, and there was. I forget which player is Jim Palmer. I think actually we had to remove an image of Jim Palmer in uh, who was um, in a su- suggestive position because it was the seventies, you know. You know, I I'm disappointed. I missed the not graphs era. I wasn't around for it uh, or involved because it seems like it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, you know what it was a lot like. I think was uh, did you ever see the documentary on ESPN? It might have been like a decade ago. It was a documentary about the New York Cosmos. I didn't. <clears throat> right. Well, it was the t- what was that? It was like Pele, and then the uh, the Italian fellow there. Um, <laughs> uh, who else was there? George. His name was like George. 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 His name was. It was five Georges right in a row. <laughs> it was a weird name. It wasn't George Best. George Best did play in the I, tr- I trust you on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's probably a mistake. But here's the here's the basic point. Is um you know, it was all it was good times. It was good times, wall to wall good times. <laughs> Not everyone had a smartphone in their pocket or a uh, social media yeah. to to concern themselves. Yeah, that would help. It. That would help wouldn't it? That would help. But um we uh yeah we had, yeah we had a good time over there yeah, but it you know uh the the brightest flames burn burn the shortest you know <laughs> <laughs> I I find that to be true yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I have to, I often described it. Uh, I coined the phrase actually. I described knockrafts on many occasions as a as a candle in the wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still in litigation with uh, Elton John <laughs> over use of that term. Maybe we could have a uh, throwback weekend where knockrafts comes back. Mm, okay. For, yeah. uh, for just a weekend or something. Now, the inclination would be to do it around April Fool's Day because that is the that is the trickster's holiday, isn't it? It is. But let's, I'm going to be I'm going to watch out for you around April. I will have to make a note, a calendar. Mm-hmm. Beware of Carson on April. Yeah, 1st. but I'm not I don't care. I don't care for pranks. Here's why I don't care for pranks is because um is because the the person on the receiving end of the prank there's always it's it if you are a sort of person who is let's see um, it's not lazy it's um i do not want to have to interpret uh every comment that another person makes right so and here's an example of a of a of a very cheap uh common prank right if you say if you say to me um, let's see. What would what would you say? Hey Carson. Um, hey Carson. Uh, uh, that was a long. Uh, that uh, you wrote a long post. And then if I said something like your mom wrote a long post, right? You know how people do that. They say your mom. Like uh, you say right. something to me, I say your mom wrote a long post. And then if you responded, this would be the prank. The sort of cheap prank would be to say my mom is dead. Right, I don't know what the state of your mother. I hope she's alive, but if if she even if she were alive, but you said she's dead, I have to believe you, right? Because what's what sort of indecent would then go on to challenge your the 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 veracity of that comment that your mother is no longer with us, right? Right, and for the record, my mother is alive, alive. and an occasional and an occasional listener to this podcast. Okay, all right. Well, and I'm glad she's alive. But my point is this: um, is that that that's a that's a cheap, it's a, it's a cheap, it's a quick prank, it's a fleeting prank. But it's that is what is sort of at the root of every prank, which is it, it takes someone. Is it for for one who has good sense and is decent, a, a decent person will always fall victim to a prank. And that's just, and that's just a fact. Yeah, I fell victim to a minor prank yesterday. You did, in fact. Yes. Continue. Would you like me to tell yeah, you please. about this? Uh, and this is the sort of, what you're about to say. This is the sort of comment that I think I would uh, put in black quotes on Fangraphs.com. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You're about to come. You're about to provide a lengthy quotation. We would put. Uh, yes. We would put tags. The, the, the blo- WordPress code. Right, black quote tags uh, around uh, around what you're about to say. Yeah. So I just I moved to Ohio. And, That's not uh, the prank, though. I move. <laughs> no, I moved to Ohio and. Is I wanted to quickly become. I feel like I was a true resident, so I went to get my hey, driver's license. Wait a second. Yesterday. Pause. Pause on your yeah. story. You yeah. and I spoke yeah. just yesterday. True, or was it Wednesday? And I said, "Would you be interested in doing the podcast?" I said, "Have you gotten your Ohio license yet?" And I, I probably said no. You did say you absolutely said no. Yeah. So this just happened All yesterday. Right. Yeah. So I went to. Uh, Go get my license, and I went to the the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in Avon, Ohio, the closest place to Bay Village, Ohio. Uh, yeah, so I went through the process. You know, I had to, you have to bring all these documents, and you have to 
bring your birth certificate and all this, mm-hmm. all these crazy things, my PA license. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I also wanted to get the, I wanted to get the license plates too. So I'm not driving around Ohio in Pennsylvania. Now let me tags. ask you a question. Are you going to go uh, with a special edition plate? Maybe you pay ten, forty dollars extra and you're supporting wildlife or, uh, the Ohio State University? No, I've always just gone with the basic okay, model. Right. So you, you're, what you're saying is you don't really, you don't really care, uh, for, um, any sort of a cause you don't have any there's no causes for you it's more, mostly about travis Sochik. i mean i'm okay with the cause some of the, the vanity plates okay. would bother me i, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. understand that but it's mostly about travis uh, Sochik, I, I, is what you're trying to say that's what i hear you saying i just want the basic plate i want to blend in with the crowd All right. so it's not it's not that it's not that you're that you're part of the me generation travis Sochik. i have not well we're, so, we're, probably, we're we're uh, we're kind of a part of the me generation. I, I in that David Brooks book, The Road to Character, which I read. No. Uh, Where did you? You're from David Brooks. He said the instances of me and I used in the English language have like gone up by fourfold. You know, it's interesting. Years. So it's and, and it, perhaps it's because I I have what might be regarded more as a classical education or. But it also may have nothing to do with that. Um, Carson Zestuli, editor, uh, copy editor of Fangraphs.com, can frequently be found excising the words I and me from from sentences around the site. I, not um, not not always. There's always there's definitely a place for it. But it's when it's uh, yes. if the sentence can be made stronger by by ma- uh, rendering it a declarative one as opposed to sort of couched in the terms I think or I believe or something like that. Then I will uh, yeah. I'll do that, but but we don't need yeah, we don't need to introduce David Brooks to this conversation. Did you? What's the, <laughs> this I'm not going to talk about avocado sandwiches, what, avocado sandwiches, or anything was like someone, that. It's or toast. I'm sorry. Toast. Yeah, avocado toast. Yeah, toast. Now, who who was it that had a gun pointed at your head when you were reading this book? Was it David Brooks himself, or was it I don't know, was it sort of local official? <laughs> Who 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 forced you? Was, was, did someone threaten your, your your son? Did someone threaten your son? Unless you read this book, I like David Brooks. This is probably a very unpopular <laughs> opinion around many points. I, I I obviously don't agree with everything yeah. everyone says, but I enjoy uh, some of his writing. Uh, but th- that's really not uh, no. that's not the point. We're getting back to this prank. Is I. <laughs> So I alienate more of your audience. <laughs> it's like, not my on. audience. It's not my audience, Travis. Keep going. But it's all right. All right. But, uh, yeah, so I get, I'm going to get my license and my plates. And you have to get this. To get your plates, you have to you have to transfer the title and you have to go through this e-check. And the, the woman at the BMV directed me to, toward the nearest e-check station, which is sort of this quick oil change place just down the road. Uh, it's called Take 5. So I, I pull up, and they're offering free bottles of water to everyone in line. I thought, very nice place. Uh, my car, as I noted earlier this week, is a decade-old mm-hmm. decade Honda, Honda Accord. Accord. It's actually a little older than that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, uh, it's a 12-year-old Honda Accord. Okay. Uh, so, so I... I have some trepidation any time it is poked and prodded. So I pull up, I get the quick exam, and the attendant says, 
do you want the uh, the bad news or the the good news mm-hmm. first i said oh, i i'd rather just have the band-aid ripped off so i said just give me the bad news and he says oh well you have to leave uh there's nothing wrong with your car <laughs> and i completely fell for it i thought oh my god what else what am i gonna have to do with this car i'm going to have to incur another expense yeah uh, but it wasn't the case. But what I what I don't like about pranks is that you uh, yeah, you're toying with someone's emotional state for even the briefest of moments. Yeah. And for the briefest of moments, I thought I was going to have to expend. Or I was going to take a financial hit uh, on my car and delay the process of getting my Ohio plates. So that's my prank story. Yeah, I think that I th- no, I would submit. I think that there probably are um, there are admirable pranks out there um, however i think that the ones that we've cited here are, are not an example and, what, and was this gentleman doing this to everyone who went through for their e-check think about the total cost incurred on people's uh, emotional well-being you know i actually <laughs> i was a, a similar thing briefly pranked at the border uh, my <laughs> wife and i we were traveling to michigan from new hampshire i think at the time uh, but the, the the most expedient way of doing that is by going through um, by going through Buffalo, uh, and then uh, I've been at that checkpoint, I believe. Okay, sure. And so yeah. I, we're going through. We had our dog with us, right? And this is the like the Niagara Falls checkpoint. Sure, precisely. Yeah. You got it, Travis Sachik. Yeah, nailed it. We were going through, and uh, we had all of our paperwork, and then the. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the guard at, at the gate said, uh, "Do you have Do you have your dog passport?" Um, and I <laughs> I said, "What do you mean What do you mean dog passport?" He said, oh, "It's new. It was just a couple months old, but everyone has to have a dog passport." And <clears throat> I think I was measured. I said, <laughs> "I was unfamiliar with this particular type of document." Um, you, you know. And then uh, there was some silence, and then he was like, I'm lying to you. There's no such thing as a dog passport. You can go. <laughs> but, you know, but this is, that's an, exactly a, a situation where you're, you're, you're not apt to question the, the um, you know, legitimacy of the speaker because this person holds your fate in his or her right. hands. They, they're also – it's not just a prank. They're, they hold power. They wield power over you. Yeah, right. Uh, and when, uh, I think the Canadian officials there, like the the office, don't they have like automatic weapons out? Uh, I feel like it's like an intimidating show of force there, yeah. unless I'm misremembering. Do you think that manual or or what? I don't even know what they call it. Sort of weapons though, where you have to what is it? There's semi automatic, semi automatic. What's below semi automatic? Uh, manual. <laughs> Single shot. I don't know. Sure. sure. Do you think that they're that they're worried about automation in the same way that that you know America's workers are? <laughs> is it, oh, great! Automation came around. Yeah, and they were out of a job. I don't know. Is I asked like the Imperial. I, I asked the Imperial. It's like a single action bolt rifle. Okay, yeah, private, single action. Right? Is, here's yeah. the thing. I asked Dane Perry this uh, the other day, and I'll ask you too. Um, and of course, you've you've written a bit about, if not automation per se, uh, about the about the prospect of uh, technology rendering currently employed, uh, you know, baseball employ- workers um, uh, obsolete. Uh, 
Correct. You've, ri- you've written about that. Correct. You've written about it a couple times. Um, and I'm curious as to to uh, whether you will be. Do you think you will be rendered obsolete by automation or technology of somehow? Uh, I, I'm, well, I, I don't think so. I could be rendered obsolete by just the uh, the nature of consumers and <laughs> market, and as far as the media mm-hmm. uh, sector of the economy is concerned. But well, I don't think, keep, especially if you keep putting up this clickbait <laughs> with your work, with your wildcard rounds and <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I actually, I think the wild card idea is actually great. It's really not even my idea. It's what the KBO does. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Th- I think what we do is somewhat uh, safe for the time being from machines, robots, machine learning, because we are <laughs> we are still You're never doing free from robots, <laughs> Travis. So, yeah, we're, we're creative to an extent. We are writing. We're Critically thinking. No, don't, hopefully, don't, don't let me in. Yeah. To this. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I think it's not a matter of technology wiping us out. It's a matter of uh, bigger market forces. Will consumers pay for ad-free membership? Will what will the rates for online ads be? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is David Appleman's opinion of us each? I mean, those are the things that could render us obsolete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could be way off on this. You could be, yeah. But I, but yeah, we saw like uh, you know you know so, you know why some yeah. media companies have experimented with the automated game story. Now something like that mm-hmm. uh, is a concern if your livelihood is tied to regurgitating a box score. But that's not what we're doing unless they come up with like an automated leaderboard story. <laughs> Do you think you have a better sense? Do you have a better sense, uh, Travis Sachek? Um, this is right. I'm putting putting this right in your wheelhouse. This is a, this is what middle cut? Is that what people? Is that what the baseball men say? Center center, center cut? cut. Center cut. Center cut. This is a center cut fastball for Travis Sachek. <laughs> do you think right now, you know, you have a better understanding of what baseball writing, or? Naval technology will look like in the year 2085. <laughs> and, I, of course, I bring this up because you wrote about uh, uh, planning for – you were both called planning for the future in today's record home run environment. But you started off by uh, with an anecdote about how um, you would – you care to um, – you care to totally defund the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> Have I characterized that accurately? Uh, close enough. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, it's, no, it's not what you said, but you did. That was probably a, that was a first in baseball writing history. I think is uh, bring in those nuclear sub estimates <laughs> for the Congressional <laughs> Budget Office. Yeah, but 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 it, uh, no, it is relevant because your your basic point is this: is um, the contention of. You know, certain certain people within the military is that these uh, the nucle- these certain nuclear submarines are uh, would would represent an an asset to the to the United States military, right? That's their contention. On the uh, right. uh, um, now, what we also learn about these um, submarines is they're very expensive and really expensive, and they're really only thir- thirteen billion to get the first one off and running, and then 
between six and eight billion for every subsequent. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Like, it's like afterward. Right, yeah. Yeah. You have to create the template, the mold, essentially, right? And then it's still half. I mean, you're still paying half that for each one. And and the point is that now now here's I think that one could make the argument. I mean, certainly certain people would, even if it is, even if it uh, if, if it is relevant, if it remains relevant to 2085. That's still a lot of money. However, um, if you say if you even if you believe that these this sort of submarine or that, you know, even if you believe in pouring um, quite a bit of uh, money into the military, you still have to ask the question, how, how do we understand? How does anyone understand that the year 2085? I, I don't think we can. Uh, but to, to answer your question, I I think I have a, I believe baseball will still exist in 2085, and I believe people will still be writing about baseball in 2085. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have much more confidence asserting those beliefs and predictions than I do about naval te- <laughs> <laughs> uh, te- technology and what the state of warfare yeah. will be. But I also think we don't. Uh, yeah, I, who knows? These boats could be obsolete in 20 years if there's a technology gain. Where I don't think baseball would be made obsolete by a a new sport. It could, uh, but uh, but yeah, I, don't, I think baseball exists. Sports writing will exist. Uh, I I can't say for sure about the Columbia class of uh, ballistic <laughs> underwater boats. Twenty eighty five is uh, the year twenty eighty five is sixty eight years from now. I would have to be 105 to make yeah, it to 20. Yeah. To, yeah. I don't like your chances. I don't like my chances uh, because I am ever so slightly older than you um, by just mere months, I believe, because we're both 37 now. I'm an August birthday. Right. You just had your birthday. Mine's in, yeah. course, mine's in December. I will be 38. I am older uh, than you. Uh, therefore, I can beat you up. I think that, that is the logic, <laughs> and I believe the logic is unassailable. <laughs> However... Uh, now the, we, we see people, we see we see people uh, uh, all the time who were born in the year 1949, right? Uh, yeah, we do. And uh, so um, there are even people who uh, I even see people sometimes. Well, and especially because I live in Bath, Maine, which is uh, which um, has a <laughs> has a, a large elderly population. Maine, of course, is the oldest state in the union. Uh, there are a number of people here Is who it? were flourishing in 1949. Um, <clears throat> uh, and yet you have to wonder uh, if you were to poll people in 1949, do, do you imagine, do you think the world will exist? Do you think baseball will still be a sport? Not that that's the second most important question after the world using the world will exist, but using baseball as a sport in the year 2017, I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. Th- I don't know what their responses would have been, but uh, there would have been a couple of no votes, is my guess. But, okay, but what would have been a naval technology question at the same time? Do you think that there will be? Do you think if we build a submarine today, it'll be relevant in 2017? I mean, there were there were submarines then. What, diesel subs? I don't know. Wait, how do you, yeah. what do you, Oh, as opposed to nuclear, you're saying? Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know anything about 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 nu- uh, naval. I don't know anything about submarines. 
Oh, yeah, there's always going to be some no's. There's always some doubters. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think baseball, <laughs> baseball will exist and survive longer than these submarines. That's my bet. I'm through. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, I, well, listen, yeah. this is one bet, uh, the opposite side of which I will not take. But Travis, allow me, to, <laughs> allow me to, to just uh, record and, and repeat the bet that you have just made. And perhaps a bet that uh, <laughs> listeners will be willing to um, to take, right? Is that you believe baseball will outlive <laughs> these nuclear subs that are the Columbia class? Is it the Columbia class? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, are they are they definitely going to be manufactured? Are they have they been manufactured yet? Uh, my exhaustive Google search mm-hmm. it appears they will. Be under construction in 2021. Okay. So this necessitates us making it to 2021 first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see if that uh, happens. But yeah, I, 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 th- my bet is this. I believe baseball will outlast the Columbia class of submarines. Okay. Uh, perhaps a more interesting bet would be, would the, will the NFL outlast the Columbia class of submarines? That I would be less confident about. Um, uh, now I will, I will admit to you immediately that, uh, I, well, I will say I, I have a sense of what you're talking about because I believe viewership is down in the NFL, but I also, it seems like you know more about it than I do. So will you please elaborate? Uh, just because the, um, the CTE, the, the, we all have read much about the, uh, the brain-related injuries that occur from playing football. And I wonder, I think that is a existential threat to it from not only the feeder system level, but from also just making uh, the sport <laughs> perhaps uh, illegal to be played down the road. You know, I don't know, uh, out of safety concerns. So where baseball does not have a, uh, if the biggest injury epidemic is Tommy John surgery, that's not a, that's not going to destroy your quality of life down the road. So baseball well, no, does no, not, not going to destroy. A threat I mean, it like will that. alter your yeah. quality of life, but it won't. Yeah, right. It doesn't have the uh, the, the same threat level. Right. Uh, it doesn't make you suicidal. Uh, no, but there. I mean, there are real threats to baseball, and that is uh, the th- the game is becoming more extreme. The three true outcome nature. Yeah. Uh, is it appealing? I think the threat is: Are you appealing to enough young people? Does the ball need to be put in play more often? Uh, are there dimensions of the game? Do they need to be re- re- uh, evaluated at some point? Uh, if pitchers continue to th- increase velocity, and can I can I, uh, can I comment on that? Because I, I don't know if I've ever actually done this, and I also don't regard my own uh, my own opinions as particularly interesting. However, allow me to submit. I think that uh, I think pitching is great. I love love great pitching. Um, Oh, so do I. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the 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 velocity increases and um, the sort of a, a corresponding um, uh, the sort of corresponding um, uh, gra- not grand brilliance of of of, pitch, of the movement on pitches and the dominance of pitchers, I think is very compelling. <clears throat> there, the game does have a length problem. Right, it's too long. It, it I mean, does. it is too long. 
I, I don't. I, I don't think down. it's so much the total length. I think it's the time between. It's the dead time. Sure. Right. Right. right between right, pages. Right. If it were, if that same time were occupied by, um, you know, spectacle, uh, then it wouldn't be as much of an issue. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, that so there, there are threats. Uh, but yeah, what if? And I'm going to write about this on Monday. If you will allow it to be published. If we make it to Monday. <laughs> if we make it to Monday. Uh, yeah. What happens if? The average fastball in five years is 98 miles an hour. How are, are batters able to adjust to velocity as they have to, as they have to date? I guess strikeouts are up, but overall run production is up due to the power spike. Or does that fundamentally change? Do we have to evaluate the mound height, the ball? There are threats to baseball, and I think the three out, true outcome nature is one, and I think that's what the I mean, I think the commissioner's office also sees it that way. They want more balls in play. Uh, Here's a question. I think the casual the casual fan likes the action, where I can also appreciate uh, filthy breaking stuff, and I, I I take great joy in seeing like an 18 strikeout performance. I think that's a yeah. lot of fun. Uh, but I'm not sure the the average baseball fan sees it. Maybe they do. Maybe there's a disconnect like there was with my wild card post between me and the, the rest of the world. Wait, but, what uh, uh, What was the reaction yeah. to your wild card post? Besides the fact that you were phoning it in. A, a, a reference which will be lost on our children's children, by the way. Phone? Yes. What is a, what is a phone? Anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the uh, I, I would, well the post was if you're not familiar with it I, no I am familiar I, with it I edited it you idiot <laughs> if, <you're honest. laughs> if the hundreds of people listening out there uh, I don't know what your ratings are maybe it's millions but for the total audience out there I don't really like the I like the second wild card and that it makes the division races meaningful and that it brings in uh, it opens up the field to include more teams in the second half of the season that have that plausible chance to make the postseason but i don't like the one and done the single game uh elimination play-in game wild card setup as it currently is i i think the regular season should be the work done in the regular season uh should carry greater weight so it shouldn't just be all things being equal the home team has like a 54 percent chance it's to a win. long it's a and i think that this your point um, is relevant to baseball in particular because the the the, the importance of the major league season is amplified or magnified by the fact that it's 162 games. It's very long, and yes. one uh, could get the sense that it's that all those games are meaningless if um, they can be done in by. If, if they seem random in the end, right? So you want to – it's a question of is how much randomness are, are you willing to permit. Right. And uh, I've brought in the element of fairness, which bothers some people. They don't think fairness should be a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you're the number one wild card and you have a 10-game regular season edge over the second wild card, but they happen to have a better number one starter – you're at a huge disadvantage then going into that one game. You're really 10 games better than the other team. Uh, let's assume that the runs scored runs allowed are also in line with that uh, that wins differential. And then that, it seems like kind of a uh, unfair situation to be thrown into. Uh, so yeah, so I think the wild card 
I mean, the whole postseason has an element of randomness, and uh, yeah, it's it really is a second season. It's a tournament. There's a regular season, and there's a tournament. Uh, but yeah, I think the the first wild card should be more heavily rewarded, and I think a creative solution to all considerations, the calendar, not making the top seeds wait, would be to follow the KBO model and have a best-of-two series in the wildcard round, which you could play in a doubleheader over two days, where the road team, the, the lesser, the number two wildcard, has to beat the number one wildcard twice to advance, where the number one wildcard only has to win one of those two games, uh, second game if needed. I think that is an elegant situation. It reduces the chance of an upset from, like, 46% to 21%, all other considerations being equal. But I thought this would be widely popular. <laughs> it was not widely popular. Uh, people. What? Uh, oh, yeah, people so I, I think that uh, I'm stealing this from a concerned reader who said something to the effect of, would you, would you have any sort of, would you, would you um, install any sort of flexibility into the arrangement, right? Because if, if one team, if wildcard A has a 10-game the, the team A has a t- has a ten game lead over wildcard team B. Then, obviously, uh, you would like to make uh, the sort of um, the odds proportional, right? Uh, but what if wildcard team A has only a one game lead over wildcard team B? Would you still uh, uh, would you still employ this this the, what is essentially the Korean? The Korean baseball yeah. method. I think it's even for a one-game lead or greater, uh, for the one-game lead of the number one wild card over to number two or greater. I think it works because even if you, this is essentially a play-in game to enter a postseason series. Yeah. Uh, so even if you have a one-game lead, you should still have to be beaten twice to to uh, to really enter the. That's the only way the number two wild card would have a superior record if it, if we looked at this as games one sixty three, one sixty four of a season. So I think it works for all scenarios other than a tie, uh, and that would place the the unfairness element would swing towards the uh, the number two team, which would have a the, the deck would be stacked against them, so to mm-hmm. speak, in an unfair fashion. Yeah. Uh, plus, I think it would be a fun event where. Uh, you'd have to consider who would be available for the second game. How do you uh, stack your pitchers? It would also give the number one seed a much greater advantage where uh, they're going to play the winner of the wild card game, and that team that emerges could have expended its top two pitchers, depleted its bullpen. So the, so the team with the top record in, base, in its league gets an even greater advantage. And this, you know, the regular season, it's, it's so long. It's such a grind. Uh, we should preserve its meaning and i think this is one way to to help to to do that a little better Mm -hmm. but overall i do like the second wild card because of the unique uh it made the division races more important and it also uh opened up uh more teams as i said earlier within realistic striking distance of of making the postseason so mm-hmm. it, it sort of enhanced the importance of the regular season while also opening up the field to draw in more fans, and that worked out beautifully. So I, I like the second wild card. I think it just needs a little improvement. Do you think it's mostly elegant? I think it's mostly elegant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really hijacked this conversation. I've, I've no, I uh, no, no. I I was looking for um, um, I was looking for a. 
a text, a text in my head. Uh, I think I was looking for the Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, but uh, and then I became a bit preoccupied with this idea of the Elegant Universe by Brian Greene. I I realized I'd never read it, so I had very little to say about it. <laughs> but I was also trying to uh, understand this word elegant. I don't know if I. Uh, it's a strange word because I I'm very um, I'm conscious of the way you're, you're using it, which essentially means. It is a solution or remedy, I guess, right? It's an intelligent that has uh, the advantage of being both logical and pleasing in some way. Doesn't that make sense? Yes, I agree. Okay. Uh, it's elegant to me is different than beautiful. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, just... But so a dress, I just used to think, a dress can be elegant as well, which I think is a lot closer to beautiful. Oh. Hmm. But I think an elegant dress would be like a black dress, something simple, but also Sophist- stylish. Sophisticated? And attractive and sophisticated. Simplicity is sophistication. How it's would you, where really, would the word like graceful, elegance. where would the word graceful fit into Oh, well, it's it's interesting that you brought up a, a, a dress as an example and graceful because I just typed in elegant mm-hmm. into Google, and it, the definition supplied by not sure which online dictionary, but pleasingly graceful and stylish in manner or appearance, uh, and in quotations as an example, she will look elegant in black. Uh, so there we go. There you are. Yeah. What about he though? I mean, men could be elegant too, yeah. but uh, I don't think it's usually used and it's not associated with our gender. I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. I was trying to look at what the uh, maybe the etymology sophistic is sophisticated it comes from elegans in French. I don't know that word. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I believe this the KBO solution is quite elegant mm-hmm. in that it it does not extend it doesn't even have to extend the calendar a day. I think the idea of a doubleheader in postseason baseball is would be great. And maybe I have a bias because I covered NCAA uh, baseball tournament play. And when you're in that uh, like the regional the first regional bracket. You're in, if you're in the loser's bracket, you can be thrust into a situation where you have to play twice in a day. And that second game, you're playing for survival. And a manager has to think two games out and how he wants to align pitchers and all that sort of thing. So the doubleheader creates a more strategic element, too. Uh, yeah, it would it would be a more entertaining way to enter the postseason. I, I, you could stack two doubleheaders on a, you know, a... It'd be great over a weekend on a Saturday and Sunday to end the season uh, with this sort of tournament style, NCAA tournament style feel. Uh, two full days, possibly baseball, day night double headers. It'd be a great way to start the postseason. Well, it's interesting, you know, un- unless you get to um, deciding games of playoff series, there there is not necessarily that sense. You you, you rarely arrive at that um, type of game in baseball. Um, where you know where essentially it's a it's like it's not just high leverage it's infinite leverage right um, there's you know someone will be one or the other team will be eliminated at the end of of this particular game that does not happen as much 
Um, fewer, right. lower percentage of games in baseball. We need a new split. <laughs> in- well, <laughs> infinite I, leverage. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, uh, why, why, why am I saying that? I, I, I'm always honest with you, Travis Sotrick, but I, here's the comment I would make with regard to that. When have you been dishonest with me, Carson? I would love you to know, know these moments. There's a, uh, <laughs> it's all fiction, Travis. But the there is a moment... Um, no, I think that there is something... I don't know if it's elegant, actually, but I know there's something appealing about the regular season, the length of the regular season, the fact that any day during summer uh, you can turn on the radio... And uh, there will be, you know, there will be a baseball game on. It, one of baseball's uh, r- real draws, I would say, is the fact that it's ubiquitous during the summertime. I mean, it's, it's, it's like six full months, right? It's it's yes, constantly it's, occurring. It's a part of yeah. It's part of a routine, a daily routine. Yeah, it gets ingrained. People that like the game, it becomes part of their daily routine. Yeah, and I would say that that's where other sports are more like an event that you lead. It's and, not once or twice is, a week affair. Right, and I would contend yeah. that one thing I don't like, for example, uh, or something I like less about football, for example, or basketball, is it requires so much of your attention. You can absent-mindedly follow a baseball game, and I feel as though you're not one is not um, one is not given the same opportunity. For other sports, I don't know what cricket is like. I guess cricket would probably be an example of a game you could follow. <laughs> you know, just I don't even know how Pete journalists write cricket game stories. Uh, yeah, I don't understand the the game. I've do you know who's re- do you know who um, do you know who's really good at writing uh, pyramid style inverted pyramid or pyramid style game recaps of cricket games? Has <laughs> this become an automated process? No, do you know, do you know who's really good at it? Uh, no, Egyptian writers. I don't. <laughs> also, some Mexican writers. Do you know why? Do you know, it's because there are there are pyramids there. I. You gathered. I, I got They're you. intimately familiar with pyramids. Is my point. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but yeah, but yeah, but going back to this, the element now. People have told me, just leave well enough alone. Uh, People know the rules. Teams know the rules. It's not unfair. And really, the postseason is a completely different animal. If we really wanted to award fairness, we would not have a postseason at all. And the best team over that marathon six-month season would be declared uh, the champion. Yes. Uh, And the the postseason is kind of an arbitrary, made-for-television create artificial drama event. I mean, it is a lot of fun as a observer on the outside looking in, but it's not really a true, it's not a meritocracy of sorts. And it maybe it made sense when there was a distinct American and National League, right? It made more, I mean, that was the natural evolution of it, right? We These two leagues don't play each other. Let's have a series at the end of the year to find out who is the best right. team, uh, which is another reason I'd like to see interleague play done away with. It would create more intrigue in October uh, and the All-Star Game. And we don't, with cable and streaming, and we don't, we know who the best players are. We see them. We don't need interleague. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. You this, think is that a, this is a whole... Uh, because our access to the game has increased, that the need for interplay is actually, or for interleague play, is, is actually uh, d- diminished. Oh, yes, that's an I, interesting I point, and one I had yeah. not before considered, Travis Sachek. Oh, well, good. 
But yeah, I th- just if these two leagues had never met, they would add another la- layer of interest yeah. into the World Series and to a lesser extent the right. All-Star game. Uh, and there it create other debates throughout the year of who's the best player, who's the best team. Well, we don't really know unless they face each other. And that element of mystery is... It'd is be important. harder to gauge uh, the relative strengths of the leagues, right? Because, uh, I mean, that's become somewhat easy. I'm Not easy for Carson Sestouli, but easy for... Um, you know, reasonably intelligent people because you could say, well, uh, here are how all the National League teams did, here's how the, all the American League teams did, and uh, you can essentially, you can adjust. You can adjust for league by by doing, by looking at those numbers. But if you have no yeah. um, cross-pollination, essentially, then, it, then it's quite difficult. I suppose you could say, like, well... Um, Who's a player who's gone from well, like uh, what Ben Zobrist, right? Went from he went from the what the hell did Ben Zobrist play for? He went from I guess he played for Oakland most recently in the American League. Did he do that for a year? Probably for, played in Oakland. Uh, he did, yeah. right? Well, and he was in Kansas yeah, City, right? So he played all only in the American yeah. League, and then he went yeah. to the National League. And so, if you were like, right. well, if we want to get a, a sense of of how. Um, you know, the, the relative strengths of the American versus National League. We could look at players who, like Ben Zobrist, went from one to the other um, and compare their numbers, and you probably have to account for, you know, age-related decline or something like that. But um, Yeah, but but I think more mystery would be good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw, I don't know how you feel about the band Coldplay, but I saw them on <laughs> 60 Minutes once. <laughs> That's and a- they... <laughs> they're, 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 being, they're being interviewed, and what was interesting about them is in the recording. I feel like I'm had, reading your Tinder profile. They, they I these, don't know how you feel about Coldplay, <laughs> but I saw them on 60 Minutes once. Yeah, well, they had their rules up on their board in the rec- recording studio, and one of them was always, they had like six rules. Mm-hmm. And one of them that they're trying to live by, I guess, when they're doing all their songwriting and whatever, however you produce a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them was always keep mystery. Uh, not many interviews. Yeah. But but I think there is something to that. Always keep some mystery. Uh, in, I thought <clears throat> I thought the fact that they had a um, a nude photo of Morley Safer was I thought that was inappropriate. Especially since, you know, Safer's dead now. I didn't you think that was too much? I actually have no idea what you're talking about. Well, Morley Safer, <laughs> formerly of formerly of 60 Minutes, uh, formerly a reporter on 60 Minutes, how they how Coldplay had the large nude image of Morley Safer. <laughs> you didn't think that was inappropriate? That sounds inappropriate, <laughs> but I cannot actually. Uh, <laughs> I can't verify whether this is actually a thing that happened, so I'm going to stay away from it. It sounds like another one of your twisted jokes. Is it a prank? <laughs> I'm afraid it's a prank. Yeah. Yeah. Staying away from it. Alright. <laughs> it's good. It's a good it's a good instinct. Follow your instincts. Instinct versus intuition. Go. Always keep some mystery. That was my point before you directed <laughs> this in some perverse way. It uh, wasn't me, it was yes. Coldplay. It was your favorite <laughs> band and what I consider to be their um, rude use of sensitive images of Morley Safer. <laughs> a prize. Morley Safer. <sighs> I don't know. 
I don't understand why you're so obsessed with Coldplay and, <laughs> and Morley Safer. <laughs> Travis, it's despicable. Uh, don't you think there's – you like this idea of no interleague, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I, do. Oh. I like the idea of rule changes, right? As long as they yeah, seem – Mix things up. Huh? Yeah, mix things up. Because perhaps it's it's also quite possible that I was in favor of more interleague play at one point. Uh, and now, but uh, now I would say quite the opposite. Maybe, uh, maybe this is just a, a case of restlessness. But the, but who cares? Baseball is fake, right? I mean, it's a fake thing. It's all sports in general. Games are uh, whatever the uh, designers of those games would would and, and the caretakers of the games would would like them to be. So if everyone says. You know, we don't want to use baseballs anymore. We want to see what happens if we use golf balls in baseball, right? Make it very small and harder and see what happens. And if everyone's on board or a majority are on board, then I guess that's the next thing, right? Well, I don't, I don't know how extreme you want to go. But I'm in favor of rule changes to try to make the game... Uh, uh, this element of fairness. Uh, fairness in the context of... Uh, in a postseason, you should be rewarded for what you've done in the regular season to some extent. Right. Since we don't reward really regulars, it's not like two seasons. I think actually if you win, the, there should be more celebration of regular season team accomplishments uh, where we, we really only care about who wins a postseason tournament, which seems kind of, I don't know, strange to me. We don't weigh the six months leading up to the, the tournament the same. So, yeah, I like rule changes that create elements of, uh, I don't know. Let's try to make this a truer meritocracy type thing. So do you, would you like to get rid of, would you like to eliminate all playoffs? But, but they're fun. <laughs> so, so would you like to we return have, like, to a system time. more like that, that it was it before 1969 or whatever, for divisional play, where you have, uh, I don't know, where you just take a winner from each each league and then you say you you two play each other? Not many people would be on board with that. Maybe this idea of a dynamic postseason yeah. where if if you're fifteen games better than the team you're playing and it's a seven game series, you get all home games. You know, I don't know. Something crazy like that. That truly really is crazy. Yeah, I mean, for, you're, what you're, but, what you're, but for right now, but for right now, I'll just stick to the wild card. I think that I can wrap, wrap my mind. So what around. you're saying is, you think that uh, this idea is a better idea, but you think it's not politically possible. Is that what you're saying? The, the wild, the wild card. Well, your idea of uh, of eliminating interleague play and also divisional <laughs> and championship <laughs> series, and just having a World Series. If, that is definitely not going to happen. If, I've never known a postseason to shrink in size and scope. But if, I'm I saying if Travis Sochik had his druthers, that's what, that's how it would look. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I would definitely get rid of interleague, and I would have a more geographically aligned. Uh, I would do like hyper. I would do crazy realignment, where it's based very much on geography to try to stoke up uh, rivalry based on. Uh, dislike of neighbors, that sort of thing. That's good. Yeah, what this country yeah. needs is is a more violent sentiment, Travis. <laughs> I think that's what what is pretty clear. But yeah, that's what college football works. I mean, it's a regional rivalry. Mm-hmm. Your neighbor 
roots for Clemson. You, you're a South Carolina fan. You're a Michigan State guy. You're a Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. You're in close proximity with those you dislike yeah. as far as the rooting. I mean, is that and ever that, more clear than being in one's own house? You look around and you say, these are the people I dislike the most. <laughs> I will have to say, Travis, this is probably somewhat irresponsible of me as an employee of Fangraphs, but my son, who's eight weeks old, has been crying off and on for the last 54 minutes. Really? He, okay, I didn't hear anything. No, he's upstairs, but huh. it, at a certain if point... Have you done some, sound, some soundproofing in your, your home? Well, he's muffled. I mean, you don't do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it bad? To I feel somewhat responsible at this point, however, for for soothing him because he's not self-soothing. Um, well, I I don't want to be the one to blame for your child's. You know, you should go tend to your eight-week-old yeah, son. I think that he might be uh, undergoing some psychological uh, difficulties right now. So I don't know. I changed his diaper. Tried to feed him. What you know? What else is going to happen? Supposed to happen? My two and a half year old son is resting peacefully. <laughs> Makes you feel any better? You'll get there. You'll yeah, get there. That's his, is that his two, his two p.m. nap? Roughly two p.m. Usually, uh, I shoot for one. One is the ideal time. Sometimes it's later. Oh. Yeah. Today is like one thirty. Yeah, okay. So I probably got another twenty minutes. Pretty regular though. I gotta look into this morally safer nude photo thing and see if it's really a, tr- <laughs> <laughs> really a true thing. Uh, yeah. You don't remember there was a whole blurred spot, but you could very clearly tell it was a spread eagle morally safer. 80 year old yeah. man? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't remember that? Okay. No. Well, I guess we have selective memory. This was a prank. Memory. Hey, listen. Yeah. Travis Hodrick, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. But I should probably uh, stop neglecting my son. It, start, it began as benign neglect, and now it's turned into slightly more harmful neglect. Yes, please. Please do. Uh, as always, now stick but around I, for I, one I moment. I enjoyed our conversation. Stick around for one moment. In the meantime, however, I will say thank you, Travis Sajak. Nice to be with you, Carson, as always. Yeah, yeah and then I will say uh, that has been the prolific Travis Sajak. I am Carson Sestouli. And this is a big fan audio.